All right, welcome into another Gun Talk Hunt. Today's Gun Talk Hunt is brought to you by Timney Triggers, the world's finest triggers. Um, anyway, they got something good coming up. I can't really talk about it now, but in due time, in due time, people, they're, co they're coming up with some good stuff. Now, have you always found yourself out in the field, you know, dressing your game out, and you, you sit there and you think to yourself, you know what? I'm just gonna I'm just gonna take it to the processor and you sit there, you wave goodbye to all this hard work that you've earned, you wave goodbye to it, and it's just kind of anticlimactic. It really is. And and my next guest is dedicated to the last ounce of meat he gets off that animal and and he believes in preparing it yourself. And I'm gonna welcome in our next guest, Mr. Rick Carey. CEO of Chard. How you doing, Rick? I'm doing well, Kevin. Thank you for having me. <laughs> no problem. Now, it is, and I'm I'm guilty of this. I'm going to be the first to admit right now. Um, beginning out, I did not have the funds to take my deer to the processor. You know, I wasn't willing to spend two hundred to you know so upwards of four hundred dollars to take. Um, the meat to a processor and have it professionally done. And honestly, I am not a professional processor myself. However, I did all the work myself and I got lazy. <laughs> Is that about the same story you'd probably hear from 90% of people? Yeah, you know, it, it is. Um, what I really hear from a lot of people is they didn't either grow up doing it. Uh, they're worried they're going to screw it up. Uh, you know, did, whether you know, they had the time to do it or not. Those are usually the big barriers for most people doing it. Well, and that that's that I kind of call a little bit of BS on the time because if you're going <laughs> to invest and and this is something I've been thinking about ever since I figured out that I was going to have you on the show, I kind of sat there and thought, what what are my constraints from processing my own deer and processing? You know, I get it taken off the bone and everything in the field, so that step's already done. Uh, I think the large portion of it is laziness. Um, and if you hunt with me, you'll probably say, you know, why do you put all this effort into it beforehand? And, you know, it kind of just dies off in the end. You, you know, I, I, I can expound on this because I'm, I'm a big believer in what you just said. To me, it's, a lot of it's a question of how do you view the hunt in general? And I've, I, I grew up hunting for the concept of actually feeding the family of, of providing, you know, substance for the family. So the processing part of it was part of the hunt. You know, it seems like pre hunting is a much bigger deal today than it ever was when I was growing up. Uh, you know, that's probably the advent of, you know, game cameras that are out there. Uh, well, just a lot more knowledge base that we can all tap into, but the processing side and, you know, and even in my memories by the, of growing up, the processing side was probably the bigger family side of things where we did stuff together and I'm not, I'm not sure if people are viewing a hunt the same way that, that, that we did maybe, you know, 20, 30, 40 years ago where we saw it holistically as a, you know, from beginning to end, it was a process and, you know, some of the convenience factor of just dropping off at a processor, you know, makes it a little bit easier. Uh, it, it, you know, the processing could be a little bit, uh, you know, more the boring side of things. If you want to be outside, usually you're processing, you know, if you're not outside, you're, you're processing in a garage somewhere. Uh, yeah, so it's maybe not the same thing, but it is more of a question of how you look at it. That's a, that's a great point. So, so I look at it as a communal, uh, 
effort because, you know, you get the family involved and I'm always reminded of, uh, you know, one season I was up in Canada and I, I had shot of a great, a great elk, beautiful animal. And I sit there and I'm processing it and, you know, I get all of it stripped down, stripped down to the bone. Um, and I've got all this meat and I'm not sure what to do with it. Well, they had a, a commercial size, uh, uh, grinder and we all sat around. It was, you know, there was, I think, I don't know. I think it was six to seven people, you know, just sitting there talking and they were all family members that I hadn't been able to talk to in years, um, just cause they're in Canada. And it was a great experience to be around just chatting and just talking about the hunt and reliving moments as a family. And we're losing a bunch of that because honestly, I'm going to tell you right now, social media is uh, a little bit disruptive. <laughs> and I think, I think we love to go out and we take pictures out in the field and then we, you know, take pictures during the hunt. And then you hear nothing about it until it's all of a sudden on your table and you're, uh, you're creating recipes and all that good stuff. You know, if I can share a story with you, just, I, I was with, uh, so my uncles this past weekend, we were, we were just kind of reminiscing about uh, my grandmother, their mom, and uh, how when we would always do potato sausage. So, you know, we, we had a potato farm and we would make potato sausage. And, uh, and she would, as we, you know, as we were, the rest of us were usually, you know, basically peeling silver skin off. And she would, uh, she would be right there at that mixer and tasting, making sure that the, the balance is right. And she would eat raw venison and, and, and potatoes in the mix and, we were all kind of laughing about it because I'm like, you know, today that would be just such a no, no to do that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yet it was like, it, it, that was the exact way that recipe worked out. Right. I mean, I don't think it was written down in the card that she had, but we all knew that uh, she, it would taste great as long as she was making sure every little bit of, you know, cumin and, uh, it, 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 and salt and pepper and whatever she was adding to it was done right. But it was, we were reminiscing about it because these were great family events that brought us together. Uh, beyond just the hunt. Right. And, and now how in the world did you come up and how, what is charred? I mean, cause I know a lot of people are like, Oh, that's great. You know, they're making a lot of good points, but who is charred? I'm, I'm, I don't know if I've heard them or not. Uh, sure. So if uh, my, my full name is Richard and uh, I'm, 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 I'm a junior. So my dad was also Richard. So uh, my nickname growing up was always uh, charred or charty. Okay. And, you know, when you start, a, <laughs> you know, just a practical aspect when you're starting a company today, uh, you know, you need a website, right? And that's not an easy right. task. I mean, everybody's bought up every website that's out there. And, uh, I was thinking to myself, I'm like, okay, well it's, you know, my whole mantra was make it yours. Right. And you know, right. that, that, so I was like, Hey, chart is a unique nickname and uh chart products uh, made sense. And that's, you know, that's where it comes from. And actually, if you ever look at our logo, uh, you'll even see in our logo, there's uh you know, just some kind of, we have, we have, I'll tell you on this show, I don't think I've ever said it before, but we, if you look at our packaging, you'll see there's hidden references, the Bible verses in our packaging. There's even my logo is the Trinity. And, uh, it, 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 so a lot of what makes me, me went into this company when you first started, which is, I think what a lot of guys do when they, you know, first try to start a company and start up, I've, I've been blessed and fortunate that it grew into something a lot more, but char products was always focused on how do you basically take that hunt? How do you, how do you go on the field, whether fishing or hunting and you do, you take it to the next step. How do you make right. it yours? And and this is what we're really talking about today is that, that processing it yourself, adding a little bit of, you know, more pepper, a little more salt, whatever makes it yours and unique. And then you're sharing that with your friends, your family. And it, you know, again, I, I look at it as a completing a circle. 
that's what charge stands for. Well, that's, I mean, that's a great company intro right there. I mean, you, you do make it yours. And I, I do have a funny story to tell a, a quick processing story to tell. Now I've got quite a few of these, but my, one of my most memorable ones, it was my first trip to Canada and I had been, you know, processing deer on my own for a while. And I go up to Canada and my uncle says, you know, I shoot the elk very early in the trip. And I'm like, well, if I take it to a processor, I wonder how quick the turnaround can be. And he says, as long as it's this old Russian guy, I mean, I mean, he, he guy had to have been 79. He was still cutting meat and all that good stuff. But he said, if you can get it to me off the bone, says I can have it to you in, you know, a day and a half. I'm like, oh, that's great. I'll have time to get it frozen, take him back, everything. I take him in my deboned meat and it took me, I don't know, a little over half a day to completely debone and try to get it right. And I drop it off. I leave, I come back to pick it up and he goes, he goes, Oh son, son, you next time you come up here, you come to me. I'll show you how to process a deer. You are horrible. <laughs> he gives me this whole like spiel on how horrible it was when he got it to me. And I, and I thought I, I'm not going to lie. I thought I did a halfway decent job, but man, he kind of ripped me a new one. I was kind of like, well, all right. I don't know as much as I thought I did. Um, but you know what? I didn't have, I didn't have I th I, what I believe to be the necessary tools, uh, not necessarily knowledge, but the necessary tools to get the job done. And I think that's where I think I see a lot of the charred products um, excel is that, it starts you out ahead. You know, and thank you. Matter of fact, I'll tell a little story about this as well. And it, <laughs> it kind of ties in uh, the, when I first started developing, really the first thing I started developing were grinders because you kind of had, you had two choices. You had these just El Cheapo grinders that were essentially disposable, or you had a, you know, a, a, a Hobart, which is basically a commercial grinder yep. and, you know, maybe yep. you could find one in an auction somewhere, but they were always still expensive. But there was nothing in between. And, you know, out of necessity comes innovation. We, we, I looked at that and I said, okay, I'm, I'm going to start designing a grinder that, that, you know, we can use that actually does the job that you can, you know, feel confident in using it. And you're not going to throw it out when you're done. And at the same time, you're not going to spend two grand trying to buy right. you know, a, a commercial right. grinder. And that started the, the grinder really is where that was my first product I developed. And a couple of things I was finding is that the grinders that were out there were developed for the European market. And quite frankly, that market, they, they grind a lot of non-meat products. And as a result, these grinders were made a lot of plastic parts. They had, okay. you know, plastic okay. uh, gear assemblies and uh, you know, just the components that, that held them together were inexpensive. And we would notice, we'd, you know, we'd start at the throat of the grinder improve that. And it seemed like every time we made an improvement, we just pushed push the problem a little further back in the grinder until like, finally we just improved the cord on the way out. Uh, it, you just had to fix everything, but we developed that. And you know, from my perspective, it was you know, having grown up with this, what would I want to see in it? And I'm a creative guy. So this was a <laughs> nice outlet for me. I got to create something that was a practical application was something I'm very into and I enjoyed. And when you see our products in the grinder, it's just the first of, of many, but then that actually started a cascading effect. And I, I got traction with it with some of the bigger retailers because they could see that this wasn't a product being developed by somebody who had no idea what was going on. 
it was developed by somebody who was, you know, passionate about this particular category and understood what the, the common person using this was frustrated by. So, you know, that, th- those developments, you'll see it in all of our products. We, uh, you know, I'll throw another example out there. We make a, a stamp set mm-hmm. and, and, and I would see my, my grandparents had a stamp set and I think my grandfather had it made at, you know, when they used to make stamp sets and <laughs> I don't think you can find somebody to make stamp sets anymore. Uh, but we developed it and when we were doing it, uh, I developed these little self-thinking stampers. I developed a little kit for game processing. And what had happened in the meantime, we went from butcher paper to vacuum sealing. And I, w- and I, w- I would stamp my vacuum seal bags of, of my meat and it would instantly smear off. Right. Or I would sweat a little right. bit and, and you know, couldn't read what, you know, what was in the bag. And the, the next evolution was, okay, we're going to find, okay, a Sharpie pen uses a, a solvent-based ink. So we developed a stamp set that used a solvent-based ink because that was, that was the solution for it. And that's something that, you know, that's a great kind of uh, parable of how we went through a process and said, yeah, we really want this. And when we used it, we're like, yep, that doesn't work. And we, we, we went to the, you know, the more modern method of vacuum sealing and trying to develop a, a, a method of, of stamping, of, of keeping track of what you're processing from, you know, my memories of 40 years ago. Right. And that's, it's, it's the evolution. It's how, you know, you use the product is because when it works, it's awesome. Um, I'm going to pause real quick to uh, pay some bills and keep the lights on here. But today's gun talk is brought to you by Timney triggers. Timney triggers has been making affordable quality triggers in the U S since 1946. Every month, Timney highlights a trigger of the month and offers you a chance to win one this month. It's the Mossberg LBA short action trigger factory calibrated to be ready to shoot out of the box it's adjustable for creep and pull weight enter now at timneytriggers.com also gun talk hunt is brought to you by springfield armory springfield's model 2020 waypoint bolt action rifle is one sweet shooting gun if you haven't seen our antelope video i suggest you go over there because this sucker shoots but uh with the option of steel or carbon fiber barrel, five QD mounts, and a .75 MOA. Yes, you heard that correctly. .75 MOA, accuracy guaranteed. You can find more at springfield-armory.com. Check it out now. So going back on the innovation of like like using products and, and innovation from, you know, um, old packaging where it's in the the paper or the wax paper and stuff like that into now vacuum sealed. That's a very big thing. Um, I think the evolution of, and maybe there's quite a few people out there who are doing it already is the gutless method of cleaning a deer uh, where you don't have to actually gut a deer. Um, That's an evolution, but you're missing some meat in there, but, but that's an evolution too, that, that I've only recently come to enjoy. Yeah. And, and I gotta get my, I gotta be careful because I get trapped in my, in my ways. Right. I think we all do. I hope like, as you're saying this, I'm like, no, 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 you don't, don't do that. I know uh, but- that's the problem is, <laughs> is you're losing some very, very important uh, items. You're leaving some behind. Yeah. But it's so easy. You leave some behind <laughs> and depending on, depending on what, depending on what, uh, you know, what part of the country you're in as well, uh, there's all kinds of reasons you wouldn't want to do that. But That's true. at the same time, it, it, it is a method that people are using. They're using safely. Um, it's not my preferred method or how I do it, but like I said, I got to get to be careful. You don't get caught in, you know, well, right. we've always done it that way. Type right. of mantra. Yeah. So I have a question for you and for our listeners out there. What do you believe 
is the most like I don't want to say underutilized, but often forgotten piece of meat in an animal that people just brush off to the side. I've got one already in mind. I'm going to see if it matches up with yours. My my personal favorite piece of meat that's left behind is on a younger deer, the uh, hind quarter just above the kneecap on the back. Uh, that is an incredibly tender piece of meat right there that I find almost everybody grinds or turns into a simple roast. Okay, that now. Can be, that, that can be turned into a nice steak. Okay, so now on the hind quarters? On the hind quarters, right. Okay, right behind the kneecap. How, how uh, Right above the kneecap and right. on the back, yeah. Okay. And you're turning that into a steak? Yeah, I'm doing so. So I, I, I'm turning that into a steak, cutting cross grain. Okay. And then, uh, but it doesn't work. I, I've tried it both ways. Um, it's like you know, if you're on a younger deer, um, that work. It, it's a nice piece of meat. You get to an older deer, seen a couple winters. Uh, it it it, it can get tough. Right. Uh, but on a younger on a younger deer, that's a really nice piece of meat. I mean, everybody goes for. You know, back straps and tenderloins, uh, of course, you know, that, that there's, you want, you want to be real careful about how you take those out and savor every piece that you get out of there. But that's one, and, and I'll give credit to my grandfather. Uh, it seemed like every deer season at uh, some point in the season, we would be eating that particular steak uh, out, out of the cast iron fry pan at camp. Ooh. So uh, I probably have a little bit of a preference for it because of that. That's probably right. Now, okay, ours did not line up at all. I didn't know you were going you know, hind quarter kneecap. I didn't know you were going that specific. Mine's the heart. Mine's a hundred percent. The heart that most guys, yep. when they're gutting, they just sling it to the side and that's it. And I think, I think a lot of that is just, they're scared of the organ meat. Organ meat in general scares people because whether you eat it without being wild game or, 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 or not, it dictates whether you do it in your wild game. Right. If, if you're, if you're a guy who, 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 who eats heart, tongue, anything else of that, you know, organ meat in general, uh, I don't think you have a big, big problem with it, but humans are creatures of habit. <laughs> they are, they are. And that's often tossed to the side, but one of my favorite ways, and I, I kind of liken it to like, kind of a, has a kind of a roast, uh, kind of texture to it when you do it this way, but I'll stuff it with like a stuffing, um, after cleaning it up good, you know, getting all those, um, tendons out of the heart and, you know, making sure yep. it's clear, but, um, and you guys sell a bunch of stuff that's actually really helpful with this. Um, and it's that the cord, um, but I'll, uh, stuff it with st a stuffing, uh, put in a gravy mix, like an au jus mix and a ranch dressing packet, um, a little bit of beef broth, and then put it in a, uh, slow cooker, cook it for 12 hours, man, it's phenomenal. Yeah, and, and uh, you, that would have been my suggestion on how to cook it. Um, the only thing that you're missing is a can of, you know, cream mushroom soup. But, Ooh. You know, <laughs> I think that goes into everything I cook, so, you know, just take that with a grain of salt. So you're a big fan of the cream-o mushroom? The, the, the... <laughs> I, well, uh, my wife hit me up the other day. She's like, why do we have 50 cans of cream mushroom soup? I'm like, it doesn't go bad, and it makes everything taste good. <laughs> it's delicious. You can't you, uh, Do you eat everything that I cook? Yes, you do. So I have a question. Does um so do, so you're married. So does your wife yep. uh, enjoy cooking wild game? You know, in, in my family, I'm the I'm the cook when it comes to stuff like that. Uh, I again, I enjoy the whole process, and plus I do it every day. It's part. It's my life. So I enjoy cooking because I like 
I like seeing what, you know, when I try something new, how does it turn out? Again, closing that, that full circle. I, uh, I like the cooking aspect of it too. So I'm usually the guy cooking wild game, but my wife grew up in a similar family. She's highly capable of doing right. it as well. It just so happens that it's usually me trying to do something different. So what would you say your specialty is? If your family had to sit there and say, they said, hey, we want you to cook X, what are they asking for and how do you cook it? You know, that's a great question. Honestly, probably uh, probably potato sausage. I mean, that, 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 that's probably because there's a whole process to that and how I, and how I cook it. Um, and I, I don't have something that's my go-to other than probably potato sausage because I grew up on it and that's pretty much a staple for yeah. us. But otherwise, you know, I, I, I'm in that world where, you know, we, I know a lot of guys who, who try different things, who, you know, have different recipes, and every chance I get, I try something new. So I, I would say that's probably probably what my family would say is that it, dad's always trying something different. Sometimes it's good, sometimes it's not. Uh, <laughs> you know, and, and, and you know, and even when, yeah, I'm sure you're like this too, you know, yep. you, you trade out some meat with somebody, hey, somebody, a buddy of mine got a bear and we're going to try doing, uh, you know, some different things with bear today. And uh, you know, so you try to, you know, it is, it isn't. Some people love it. Some people hate it. Uh, and that's one I just brought up because I did that not too long ago with my family and uh, my, 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 my kids didn't like it. My wife liked it. I liked it, uh, but probably won't well, happen again because uh, because of that. You got to cook something that everybody kind of enjoys. Uh, bears, one of those real tough ones, because I fit. I found that if they've been eating a lot of fish, they are no good. That that is just oily. The meat's just not very good. But if they've been eating berries or oats, uh, forage and stuff like that, really good. Um, but bears, just a tricky one. My wife just doesn't really enjoy antelope, and I don't know why. I kill one every year for her. I say it's for her. It's really for me. <laughs> you know, with, with antelope, though, I think if if you could figure out something that you know, be, that say that strong sage flavor, if you can, you know, tap into yeah. some seasonings that, yeah. that, that 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 times and things like that that really go well with sage that, that they they have such that natural flavor already. Look to complement it, not mask it. I do the same things. I I have the same way get antelope relatively often, and uh, you know, I, I've tried the you know, the taco Tuesday type stuff where you, you take the ground antelope and make tacos out of it and you add enough taco seasoning and hopefully you're overcoming that. I say, <laughs> yeah. don't, don't, don't fight it. Go with it. Try to find seasonings that, you know, that, that rosemary, you know, goes really well with stage. Try those types of approaches and, and compliment it. Don't fight it. You're about uh, embracing it. it. Just, just embrace it. Just, just warm up to the fact that it's going to taste like sage. And there's not a bunch you can do. Exactly. And, you know, they're relatively small animals, so you go through the meat pretty quickly. So that, is, that, that is a good point. <laughs> that is a very good point. So what's the one meat that you would you would say, yeah, it's just not my favorite? You know. And you I'm can't say sure. groundhog. I, yeah. yeah <laughs> I was with guys this weekend doing squirrel. And I, I, we were shooting some, uh, some squirrel, and I just, I'm not a huge squirrel fan. I, I, I don't, guys love it. Um, it's just not for me. I, I would tend to agree with you. I would say mine, I tried coyote once, and it's not very good. I don't recommend never it. Try, never, never <laughs> tried coyote. No, I, I don't, I don't you, recommend you, you doing it. 
Well, you kind of look at what, you know, back to even bear and look at what they're eating and what dictates. I'm from Wisconsin and, uh, you know, here most bear shot over a bait pile that you've taken, you know, you know day-old donuts for the last six <laughs> months and put it together. Bear tastes fantastic. It's been eating, you know, donuts for six months. So but, you, know, you get bear eating fish and. <laughs> and it's not good. So I have like, so here's a hint to everybody, whatever you want to like pre-season your animals with, just go ahead and feed them that. Like, oh yeah, no, yeah, I want yeah. this to have a little hint of blueberry to it. So just feed them blueberries the whole time. <laughs> they'd, be the, they'd be the healthiest uh, deer out there. Yeah. Absolutely. Or, or, or feed them blueberry donuts. I guess that's another. So yeah, you get a little bit of sweet. The best, the best of all worlds. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, that's great. So what was the one, I, I, I was wondering about this before, what was the moment that you said, you know what, screw this, like I've got to come up with something better, there's got to be a better way. Were you out in the field and, you know, your equipment wasn't working or or you just thought to yourself, like I'm, I'm just kind of, I'm done with this way, I need to move something better? Um. Yeah, you know, I, I think really for me what it was, uh, Previous to this career, I was a lawyer. I wasn't real thrilled with that career, uh, and I, I liked being outdoors a lot more. And CWD was uh, was a big deal that was kind of moving across the yeah. country at the time, and uh, started in the you know, Colorado area, was moving to the Midwest. And that actually, I was noticing that you know processors that I knew were shutting down because of some of the regulations that were required for moving from wild game back to uh, being certified for doing you know beef and other animals, and I saw an opportunity that where basically something was changing and it was, it was, it was inevitable. We couldn't stop it. So that it was going to have this downstream effect. And I saw an opportunity for me to combine what, what I'd grown up with, what I enjoyed with a market opportunity of what was coming and a, and a fundamental shift within our, uh, within our industry. And I, and I took that, I took that leap and I talked you know, a little backstory for this. Uh, I worked for another, I was general counsel for a company. I went to my wife and I said, I really want to go do this. I have an idea for a grinder. I think I can develop this. This can be something. And, uh, and I said, you know, but you know, most of these things don't work out. And right. she's like, it'll be okay. She's like, you know, we've, we, we've lived on, you know, nothing before. And I said, you know, you're right. So that, that year I went out, I shot two deer that year. I uh, planted a garden. I, uh, I did early season, late season, and I processed absolutely everything. And it was not just for, development of the grinder, but I'm like, well, this is great. I have food to last for the next nine months. I'm in good shape. And, uh, it all kind of came together at, at the time. And it was right kind of just before the recession hit. So I got, it was right into the recession, which you would have thought would be just sort of like the death call for me. Oh, absolutely. What it ended up doing, yeah, it, it shifted our industry and people saw it and said, you know what? I don't want to be as dependent on the system. I want to know I can do it myself. I see that even today with the pandemic and, and, and people are getting back to saying, yeah, I want to be able to do it myself. I'm even seeing that culture within fishing, hunting of saying, I, I want to understand, uh, I, I know I keep coming back to that, closing that circle, but maybe I was just sport hunting, you know, I'm mean, still eating the, I was still eating my game, but I was leaving out an essential part of that. And now I realize that, you know, I really want to know how to do the whole thing. Right. And that's helped you know, our particular industry quite a bit. I mean, we've had, uh, you know, strong sales, strong year. And I, I attribute it to, again, back going back to that concept of people wanting to know how to do it all, be self-sufficient and not dependent on others. And you know, there's a lot of categories for this. Ours just happen to be benefited from that. 
That's great. Um, and now tell tell folks where to go to find out more because we're nearing the end of our uh, our podcast, un- unfortunately. But you guys have resources for folks to learn how to do this and and how to get set right. Where would they go to find all that? Yeah, chartproducts.com, C-H-A-R-D, products.com is our website. That's a non-e-commerce website. So yeah, our website is really focused on the educational aspect. We've got you know, products are found at most of your major retailers. You won't have too many problems going out there and finding them. But if you want to get into it, you don't know where to start, Chart Products is a great place. We have other references within our, our website. And I encourage you to go out and do as much research as possible. You're researching your new cell phone uh, 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 game camera preseason. Research how to process after the season. Yeah. That's half the fun, I think, for a lot of us is getting that knowledge base put together. And chartproducts.com is a great place to start. And it really is. And they've got they've got stuff for meat processing, outdoor cooking, food preparation. If you've got to have it, they have it. I mean, if you need it, they've got it. Um, and and I was looking on, and you guys are selling across Amazon, and and so that's a great way. So if you're if you're listening to this right now, and you've got a hunter or you've got an outdoorsman in your life, um, head over there. Grab some charred products for them. Uh, you won't be disappointed. But uh, we, uh, the man from Chard himself, I guess would we call you Mister Chard? How would we call you? Just Chard? <laughs> You'd be the first to call me Mister Chard. All yeah, right, I like uh, yeah. that. Hey, I can go by Chardy. Call me Chardy. I'm ha- happy to say hello. All right. Well, Chardy, thank you so much for uh, joining us on Gun Talk Hunt. And if you guys are out there within earshot, if you're watching this on YouTube, give them a look. That's chardproducts.com and hunt safely.